Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 260 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. I had a really interesting but brief conversation with a beginner beekeeper this week about the morality of knocking down queen cells. All beekeepers have a dilemma to face when colonies are trying to swarm. Some think deeper and longer than others. Here's what we discussed and my thoughts on the topic of knocking down queen cells. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Hi everyone, podcast time once more and you're all very welcome. Grab a coffee, maybe a slice of cake and relax in that comfortable favourite chair of yours, at least for the next 15 minutes or so. Obviously, if I'm in car with you, heads up, eyes on the road and concentrate. Hopefully I can change the pitch of my voice sufficiently that I'm not guilty of sending you to sleep. Talking of comfortable chairs, I had the pleasure of sitting in a Spink and Edgar wingback chair. I think it's called a Crawford. It was so comfortable. I can't say the material design was completely to my taste, but it was one of those chairs that instantly becomes one of your go-to spots when you want to contemplate and think. It's actually quite an expensive chair, so I don't think I'll be getting that anytime soon. And I'm not going to tell you about the other place I go to when I'm needing to contemplate. You might be having your breakfast right now. Anyway, there's a beekeeping link to this upholstery discussion. I was visiting a local department store to discuss putting beehives on their roof. They're interested in using the empty space and thought beehives might be the way to go. I'm keen, it's not too difficult to get to, and with a nuke or two transferred into hives, it shouldn't be too taxing to set up. While I was visiting, we were accompanied by a young lady who's beginning her beekeeping journey and considering getting a hive for her back garden. And we got talking about various aspects of beekeeping, including the moral issue of destroying queen cells. I hope that she won't mind me paraphrasing our discussion and hopefully I'll remember the thread of the conversation well enough so that I'm not putting words into her mouth or misrepresenting her views. It went something like this. I was explaining the challenges of trying to prevent the colonies from swarming and the fact that we have to knock down queen cells. Please remember, my conversation is someone who is just starting out in beekeeping and learning and trying to understand and find her way into a hobby that can be exciting and joyous, yet fraught and frantic all at the same time. I'm going to call her Liz. Not her real name, as I don't want to find a letter from a solicitor on my doormat in a few weeks' time. Anyway, the feeling I got was that Liz wanted to keep bees, but not harm or kill any bees in the process. And here specifically, we were talking about the natural process of swarming and the colony's abilities in queen rearing and how to avoid swarming, how to do it in such a way that you don't have to destroy or kill anything. Obviously, with so much information out there and with so many different methods of beekeeping, there are always ways that you can reduce the chance of swarming colonies and depending on what kit you're using, some methods are easier than others. 
For instance, my recent colony splits, one hive into five splits and at the same time retaining the original queen. Great for me, but maybe not for a beginner beekeeper with one hive at the bottom of the garden. Maybe they're not quite ready for one hive to suddenly become six. I'm just saying, how then can you prevent swarming without the destruction of something that's living? This is obviously where the vegan community generally have an issue with beekeeping and eating honey. And as I hope you all know by now, I have absolutely no axe to grind against any community out there, each to their own, I say. As long as it's legal-ish, doesn't harm anyone or interfere with their day-to-day -day lives, then I'm happy for them. We're not on this planet long enough, so make each day as positive and as happy as you can, I say. Where was I? Oh yes, swarming. One of the solutions that Liz had suggested she'd picked up from another podcast. I wasn't sure whether I should just walk out on her at that point. Listening to another beekeeping podcast? Whatever next? Anyway, Liz was thinking about maybe using a top bar hive and had heard that all you had to do was to put a divider board between the queen and the queen cell, split the colony into two, and that would be enough to resolve the situation. Now all of you beekeepers sat at the back of the room rolling your eyes at the thought of a beginner beekeeper wanting to use a top bar hive. I say, try it first before you pass judgement. I have, and I enjoyed every minute of playing around with the top bar hive. So much so that I've taken it to our association apiary so everyone can see what it's like and how fascinating it can be to have one. If I weren't trying to produce honey on a commercial basis and have hundreds of hives, then I might be tempted to just have a top bar hive at the bottom of the garden. Anyway, I digress as usual. The thought of knocking down queen cells was, to Liz, something she was hoping to avoid. I understand this. I understand the desire to take good care of these creatures in our hives and not wanting to harm them at all. This, though, is a somewhat idealistic view and obviously shows a lack of experience of what actually happens in a beehive, or for that matter, in a wild honeybee colony. Honeybees need to hedge their bets when swarming. It's no good swarming having produced just one queen cell. What happens if that one should not emerge? Dies of natural causes, or some disease, or some such thing. The old queen swarms, but the colony left behind becomes hopelessly queenless and will ultimately perish. This then is one of the reasons honeybee colonies produce more than one or two queen cells when they're preparing to swarm. Another view from the colony is that, if you believe some books, they will have you believe that when the first virgin queen emerges from her queen cell, she will wander around the hive, actively killing any of her sisters still trapped inside their queen cells. So because it happens naturally, that makes it acceptable, maybe? Let's be clear about this. Most of the time, if you have more than one sealed queen cell in a colony that has swarmed, you're likely to have the first virgin emerge and head out with a swarm of her own, followed by the next and the next and so on, until you have no bees left to swarm. Again, it doesn't always happen like that, but it certainly happened that way for me. I've been trying to think of ways that I could adapt what I do in order to prevent the destruction of queen cells. Playing a kind of devil's advocate, if you will. 
Maybe I could split the colony, make up as many splits as there are queen cells, and then sell the resulting nukes to other beekeepers. That might work. Probably not if you've seen any of my pictures or videos of multiple queen cells. A dozen or more queen cells on one frame, maybe 30 queen cells in a single hive. I'm not sure even I would have the equipment for that many splits, let alone a beginner beekeeper. Well, what about leaving them to their own devices, let them swarm, and with luck, the virgin queen that emerges will go around and do the killing work on my behalf. Well, that's fine, but what if you live in an urban area, surrounded by other properties and other people, trying to enjoy their gardens, only to be chased back into their house when a swarm of honeybees decides it's their tree that they want to cluster on? Or worse still, their chimney they want to call home. Now, that doesn't seem fair to me. The reality is, nature is brutal. Watch David Attenborough talk through all of the sex and violence in his programmes. Even the plants look for an advantage over their neighbours and look to constrict or use and abuse their fellow plants for their own ends. If you believe Darwin, then natural selection and the survival of the fittest inevitably means culling the weakest. The strong survive and dominate, and the process determines who wins and who loses. Honeybee swarming is a natural process of reproduction, and has evolved to allow the strongest colonies to survive, and to go on to reproduce and evolve. So, really, where does that leave me with my discussion with Liz? I really want to encourage her to give beekeeping a try, but also highlight the reality of what is involved. I guess that's why vegans do avoid honey products. There is an inevitability at some point, whether by the beekeeper's hand or through natural processes of swarming, that queens are going to die. I hope I was able to convey the need for management of this process and that Liz will continue her beekeeping journey, taking care of her bees but also knowing that some management of the situation is required to maintain a healthy colony and to not upset other people living nearby. Coincidentally, just a few days after my conversation, I was at the farm apiaries, checking our colonies and found several colonies attempting to swarm. First up was a colony I had obviously neglected, call it a lack of notes, mainly scribbles on the roof, but in this instance there were none. My inspection revealed several queen cells, all at that point of emergence, one where the beekeeper stands open-mouthed in wonder as first one, then another, and another virgin queen suddenly emerges from an open queen cell. On this occasion, I was prepared, somewhat strangely, a pocket full of queen cages was required, and that's just what I had. Call it intuition or good luck, but there it is. I spent a couple of minutes caging virgin queens, and then spent a few minutes more trying to work out what on earth to do with them. Here's the rub. The colony in question is one of the most defensive I have. You all know what I mean by that. They love being smoked and they love trying to get into my veil, down my boots and under the cuffs of my gauntlets. So, what do you do with virgin queens from this type of colony? Instinctively, you know they need to be culled. But I am down on numbers this season and need to build colony numbers back up again as quickly as I can. I managed to create an additional three nukes from this colony for these virgin queens. 
simply because that's all the kit I had available at the apiary. The last remaining Virgin Queen ended up in my pocket, caged, of course, and the following day she was also popped into a newly created nucleus colony. Creating nukes with Virgin Queens is really simple, provided you make up the nukes using frames of bees from recently swarmed or hopelessly queenless colonies. These nukes have bees that are expecting to see a Virgin Queen, they want a Virgin Queen, and for the most part will completely ignore her as you release her into a box full of bees. If you create a nuke from a Queenright colony and immediately run in a Virgin Queen, the result will almost certainly be a sudden and violent attack of the Virgin Queen by those workers. They're not expecting a Virgin Queen, they don't yet know that they want or need a Virgin Queen, and this apparently unwanted guest will be dispatched in a hurry. Better to leave a nuke taken from a Queenright colony for a couple of days, let them realise they're queenless, and the greeting she gets when you release her into that nuke will be completely different. All of that said, if you have a favourite colony and you miss the signs that it's trying to swarm, they go and leave you with multiple queen cells that eventually emerge as you carry out an inspection. Don't panic and make sure that you have a few queen cages to hand. If you can't use them all yourself, there's bound to be someone at your local association who might like some new genetics in their apiary. Just don't be that person who passes on nasty bees. Talking swarms, we appear to have hit our peak swarming period. As expected, it's been a little slow to get started, but the bees are really making up for it now, with several colonies throwing up queen cells. We've had around 15-20% to of our colonies attempt to swarm, which is a number I'm kind of happy with. Many of our colonies are headed up with younger bees from last year, and these have a lower tendency to swarm than perhaps the colonies with our older queens. Those that haven't yet attempted to reproduce have really built up well through this late spring period and currently sit on a double brood setup with supers above the queen excluder on top of the second brood box. In most cases the queen has moved up and is laying strongly in the top box with the bottom box having somewhere around five to eight frames of sealed brood. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be splitting these colonies into separate boxes, one with the queen and one without. The queenless, newly formed colony will have a replacement queen introduced, and with luck, the two colonies will build up through June into strong colonies ready for the summer nectar flow as they pollinate the borage. I will be keeping a few colonies back at the fishing lakes, so we can take a crop off the brambles. I do like a nice blackberry honey, but more importantly, I want to continue to raise some queens using the John Harding setup that we now have established. If you've seen my latest JH video, you'll know things haven't quite gone to plan, with one of the Queenwright nucleus colonies swarming. I always said it was going to be something of an experiment, a season of learning about how the system works and what the pitfalls might be. Well, I found the first one. Nukes grow very quickly in these double five-frame stacks and need to be monitored regularly just like any other colony. No real surprise there, but I think they just caught me by surprise at how fast the emerging brood filled the ten frames, and of course they were off. Hopefully it won't impact on the queen rearing in the middle box too much and we can finally start production of queen cells from my chosen colony. 
If you haven't seen the John Harding setup, do take a look at my video on YouTube and the follow-up videos on my Patreon page. Well, that's me done for another week. Time to go jar some soft set honey. I'll catch up with you all again next time. And don't forget to check out my website, www.norfolk-honey.co.uk for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques. It's the same Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet.